0: Welcome to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. My name is Adam Hoke, and we're happy you're here with us today. The reason for our time together is to hear and learn about topics vital to leadership, influence, and the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Let's get started. It's been said that God can work with failures, but He just can't work with quitters. Also, there are times... When opportunities come our way that we may have never considered nor have a plan to develop, Bridget Tomlin is the founder of a ministry called Sanctuary Wives and hosts the podcast called Let's Talk with Sanctuary that's already in its third season. Bridget is also a busy wife and mother of high schoolers, but she took time to chat with us, and I think you'll enjoy her perspective. I'm Rick Shields, joined by my friend and colleague Mike Atkinson on this Doorways Leadership and Influence podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's join that interview with Bridget, already in progress.
1: Well, Bridget, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, if you could just give our DLAND members just kind of a brief description what's brought you to this point in your journey.
2: My dad was a district youth director for the Assemblies of God for much of my raising in the state of Oklahoma. And so, uh, like most ministry kids you just jump on the team. And so you become partners in the ministry pretty fluidly. And so a lot of my earliest years and experiences came from serving alongside with my parents in ministry, helping out produce events, uh, prepping for teams, ministry teams, all those kinds of things. And then I, of course, went, went on to Bible college myself, and I got a degree in vocal pedagogy but I did a lot of studying, a lot of training, a lot of traveling with ministry teams during that time, a lot of boots on the ground, throw you in the deep end kind of things. So you, you get thrown into situations a lot in those arenas uh, that maybe you didn't see yourself succeeding in or even doing something like that. And you get thrown in the deep end and all of a sudden you're there. And then my husband and I, we got married and we're now in our 25th year of full-time evangelism. And so in the process of all that, I just had a a varied opportunities when it comes to different roles. I'm a a big see a need, find a way to meet it kind of person. And so a lot of times, and we've we've said this a lot of times when we're coaching people in ministry, much of what we do came because someone asked us if we, if we did something. (laughs) And very rarely uh, would we pray about it and God say, don't do that. A lot of times it was just, yeah, sure. And if, If we hadn't created maybe a worship seminar, if we hadn't taught on marriage before, if we hadn't, if I hadn't taught on leadership, I would just pursue that and prepare for it and just make it happen. So that's a lot of what has made up what we're doing.
0: You indicate on your website, uh, by the way, sanctuaryministrywives.com. I encourage our listeners to go look at that. It's a great website. But you mentioned on there that this itinerant ministry that you and your husband, Creston, have been involved in involved in for 25 years is in a constant state of flux oh what joy huh
2: right don't you know all about that
0: (laughs) yeah what's interesting is that people have an anticipation of what it is that you do unfortunately their anticipation of what you do and the reality of what you do can be two different things and so that's Mm -hmm. what you just responded to people say do you do this do you do that Do you do something else and the answer is when you're in itinerant ministry, pretty much, well, yes, I do, even if you <laughs> never have. And it prepares you then to always be looking for that next thing that may make a difference in your ministry or those that you're ministering to. What's some of the more successful things that have happened for you in that in that time of flux when people were were asking you about something that you weren't necessarily doing, but you found great value in doing that?
2: I believe that, you know, like I said, opportunity to develop came from opportunities that were given. And and a lot of times, uh, and I see this a lot in today's generation of leaders that are up and coming, is that they miss the opportunity to grow because they don't see something as being in their current lane or their current lane of interest. And A lot of people are asking us the question at this juncture, because when we, you know, my husband often gives the statistics about the sheer volume and percentage and number of evangelists, even within the fellowship that we're a part of the Assemblies of God, the number of evangelists in 1960 something versus 2022, there's less than 200 nationwide in the Assemblies of God. And many of those are not full time. Why do I bring that up? It's because. We get a lot of people going, well, how do you do that? In fact, does anybody still do that? And a True. lot of it is because we were willing to say yes when those opportunities came. In fact, that was some of the advice that was given to both of us from my dad early on when we, we both felt called to the evangelistic field before we even married each other. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't turn down opportunities because they don't look like the up and coming or the cool opportunities. And and so that's been the blessing of God on our lives uh, that we have been able to see is a variety of things developing that didn't look like what we started out with. I can remember sitting across the table from pastor's wives early, early on in our ministry. I was 21, 22 years old and feeling the, the pull from these women that were many two and three times my age and they needed somebody to be in their corner. They most importantly needed somebody to listen. And so I began even then saying, Lord, I obviously don't know what I should tell these women. I don't have all the answers for them, but you can help me connect the dots. If I see that there's a need here, then you can show me how to meet that. And so through that, it took some time and we marinated it for several years in prayer, but the Lord helps us to launch Sanctuary, which is a ministry for ministry wives.
1: You mentioned getting advice from your dad to don't despise small beginnings. What uh, principle would you provide to others in their leadership journey?
2: Well, when I consider just important principles for successful leadership and influence, there's a couple of different ones, but the number one thing that comes uh, to my heart and mind is just simply to be real to be true to yourself in a social media crazed community and culture. I think that we're very driven to try to acclimate to what molds we see out in front of us, especially if there's someone that's getting a lot of followers and someone that's, you know, drawing a lot of attention. And boy, goodness, everybody's liking this. Uh, they're, they're subscribing to this or they're following this. And you know, as uh, I don't even remember who it was that once said this it said, just be yourself. Everyone else is taken. You are designed by God to be you and what you bring to the table matters. And then finally be prepared to count the cost because leadership comes with a cost. Sometimes it comes with the cost of getting to choosing to not do or to do certain things that maybe others have the privilege of not making that decision. They have, they're able to just go along with, with what works for them or at the moment or what makes me happy. Leadership doesn't get to do that. We are thriving and God blesses that. But it does come as a, as a cost. And, and you have to count that cost and be willing to pay that cost, even if it's not fully in front of you whenever you start on this journey.
0: Tell me about how you help others to grow in their leadership and their influence skills.
2: Well, it may seem super too simplistic. But my first immediate thought when I consider this is you've just got to live it. And that's your number 101. I got to live it. I've got to live what I'm trying to expect others to do. And that goes just not just from what I'm saying, but um, how I'm modeling this way of Christianity. If we're talking about Christian leaders, people that are serving in ministry or even a Christian businessman. You can't expect other people that you're leading to be ethical if you don't have ethics. You can't expect them to work hard if you're not willing to work hard. You can't expect them to be a servant if you're not willing. And when we look at the model that Jesus provided, that was his whole goal, right? Was to be a servant leader. And so you've got to live that out. You've got to have integrity. Helping others is very, very important to be able to recognize what their gifts are and what their gifts are not. There's... Nothing more frustrating than trying to really work towards, and I know I spoke earlier about finding opportunities for growth, and and, and I definitely am always going to champion that. But then there's this other side of it that says, I need to determine what I'm really good at, and then I need to help other people figure out what they're, and maybe as a body of Christ, and as a team of employees, employer, we can all play to our strengths, because nothing's more Frustrating than serving in a capacity that is just not your thing, and so being able to help other people find their gifts is a huge, huge goal of mine personally and ministerially and in leadership. Because when they feel successful, and I'm leading them, that makes me look successful, and and that makes me more successful. I'm I'm up to the challenge. I'm I'm raising the bar, and we're all going to go there together. And so then the third thing is just to train. Because sometimes even when you're naturally gifted towards something, that training is so crucial in the difference between mediocre productivity and a different level of, an excellence.
1: So I'm not a, obviously not a ministry wife, but I did listen to your last podcast with Kelly Ferguson and your heart for mentoring uh, came through and shown uh, so much through that podcast. And here you just mentioned it and talking about helping others find their gifts and, and modeling it. How important is mentoring? How, how do you see that interacting in a leader's life in living that out for others and then also developing others? So, how important is, is mentoring in your ministry?
2: Well, and what we're doing um, with ministry wives, and then what I've done even just in the local church, I think right now the greatest gift that you can give to anybody is the gift of your time. And what I have discovered, especially in our community of ministry wives, is that there's so much power in those three words, I see you. And being able to see someone right where they're at and help them remember that this isn't where they'll stay is a huge part of mentoring, whether it's done in a real structured environment or if it's done really organically. I really, I talk to people a lot whenever we're talking about mentoring because I think sometimes we overshoot what it has to be to be. I think there's some really great productivity that comes from very intentional mentorship where you've set up a series of sessions and we're going to meet, and you're going to read this book and we're going to talk about these these things. And then there's also that much more organic look where it's finding someone who may be 5, 10 years behind you in the experience. We're walking in the same lane, but you're just a little bit behind me. We see this model throughout scripture. The greatest leaders were produced because they came up under a really great leader. Uh, I think about Elijah and Elisha. I think about Paul and Timothy. Even in like Naomi and Ruth, and when we're talking about women, that mentorship kind of like shifted back and forth. There was times when Naomi was like, "Girl, you're going this way," and then there was times even as the younger one that Ruth was saying, "No, I'm not going to let you stay in this place of bitterness. I'm not going to let you stay and weep your way through to your death." we're going to move forward. And and that championing me, I've just made up a new word, but that championing of one another is so huge. And when it comes to like the ministry wife community, it's a challenge because it requires connection. And a lot of times leaders are some of your busier, more productive people. And so it feels counterproductive to stop and say, I'm going to be intentional about learning something when I really could be busy doing something. And it has to be a partnership of saying, I definitely need to hear what you say. And really where we're missing that comes from this intergenerational blessing that comes from the older receiving from the younger and the younger challenging the older And that's a beautiful, beautiful dynamic. Some of it just happens from saying, I'm going to come and and we're going to have a phone conversation or we're going to meet for coffee and we're just pulling from each other. And it's not even under the umbrella of this, you know, big title mentoring, but it's just bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. And when it comes to results, some of it, I will say right now, I think it is the difference between making it and completely falling apart. Well, Bridget,
1: we we know you mentioned being involved in so many areas of ministry along your journey, and we know that some of those were probably more successful than others. And Rick and I have always kind of had the thought, shared the thought that our failures bring opportunity uh, for growth, um, and don't remain failures if we learn from them. So, do you have mm-hmm. any specific uh, advice for those that uh, have failed and want to keep along the journey, but? don't know what to do.
2: Well, when you look throughout scripture, I'm so grateful that God did not leave out the ones who made mistakes because God's greatest success stories came on the flip side of human humanity's mistakes. And, um, even just this morning, heard a message, uh, where God was speaking directly to Moses and Moses was a fugitive of what, 40 years. And he was sent, being sent back by God to speak to the people who knew him as a murderer. And they were his people. And he says, what is it that I'm supposed to do? How, how is it that they're even going to listen to me? And I've often heard it said, you, you know, God can work with failures. He just can't work with quitters. And so letting go of the stigma the long term, we have to learn something from those failures. But letting go of the long-term stigma of failure is what makes us human, but also makes us available.
0: You know, you indicated earlier that your husband is the vocalist and the preacher. Those of us who know you know that you are also an amazing vocalist. And after we've spoken, I can tell you, Mike, I think she's a pretty good preacher, too. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) We'll put her up against a lot of people that we know. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This is great, Bridget. It's been really good. You've given us a lot of great content. Croesus reigned as the king of Lydia for nearly 40 years. In 550 BC, he was considered the world's wealthiest man. Regardless of how many territories he conquered, Croesus continued to expand his wealth and his empire through military campaigns. But the Persian king, Cyrus the Great, was also expanding his kingdom and the kingdom of Lydia was in his sights. Croesus had made extravagant offerings to the sanctuary of Apollo at the Delphi in Greece, and those gifts ensured his priority when consulting the oracle. In 547 BC, King Croesus consulted the oracle to see if he should attack the Persian king. The oracle responded by informing him that if he did, he would destroy a mighty empire. And that's what happened. Croesus attacked the Persians and lost A mighty empire was destroyed, but it was the empire of King Croesus, not that of the Persians. Proverbs 15 tells us plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. But it doesn't matter how many advisors you have if you only hear what you want to hear. Give your advisors a medium to respond candidly or even anonymously. Then ask God for discernment before finalizing your plans. Leaders that listen, Will last, but those who don't
1: won't. All right, so Rick, so many things uh, that Bridget had to share with us today. What are some of the things we need to, to unpack, unpack here? And one of it was when she's talking about being involved in so many areas of leadership and, and ministry. From your side of things, how do you increase or how do you work with your flexibility and being able to adjust? kind of on the fly at times? You know, that's a
0: that's a really good question. And something I was going to mention to her, I'm glad you brought it up now. I was on staff at a church in the late 80s, a church that grew from 150 people to 1,500 people in about five years. And we had a number of staff members. and And one of the things we found was that we had a lot of interruptions in our lives. And one of these staff members during a a staff meeting one day, she prayed this, she said, Lord, help us to find these interruptions as opportunities for ministry. And I have repeated that and personally referred to that over and over again, that it's it's easy for us to just get fixated. Like she said, uh, I hyper fixate on the task mm-hmm. and I miss the people. And sometimes those interruptions actually are, I think, the Lord coming to us and saying, okay, that task may be important, but not more important than these people. Right. And and that's that's one of the ways that uh, it's it's helped me to.
1: Yeah, I think God often considers success something different than we do. And I a lot agree times completely. We we focus on the completion of something. And for him, it's the journey. And often it's the people that are part of that journey that that, you know, we interact with is the important thing, not the completion of the project.
0: And she said another really great thing uh, that you and I agree with. She said, help others find their gifts. Because when you do, it makes you even look better. But we don't do it to make us look better. But the process of it is that it makes it look like we have a more complete ministry picture. And as we help others to do the things that they do and that they do well and that they like, it gives us an opportunity to focus on the things that we do and that we do well. And then it it really does provide a whole different base for all of us and in, in the things we do. I, I thought that was a that was a very good point she made.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, I, and one of the things that she said also was count the cost of leadership. Right. And I think that's something to important for us to consider as well, that it does come at a cost. Uh, If you're going to be a leader, there are expectations and challenges that come up and you got to be uh, anticipating and expecting those to come up. And it's not always going to be a smooth sea, as we've talked about uh, before. Then in leadership, you're dealing with people and there's often a cost that comes with that.
0: One last thing she said, I really liked God can work with failures, Mm -hmm. but not with quitters. Yeah. And unfortunately, too often, the demands of whether it's ministry or work or whatever become so overwhelming that we have a difficult time working our way through it. And we want to be careful to do everything we can to not fail. And yet, you and I and she and so many others, we understand that failure is an opportunity for God to show up and to To make it so that we understand this failure is more, was less about an event and more about how we grow out of that, become people who we maybe never were before. I I think that was a
1: good point. Yeah. I think often success comes right after the next step from failure. And if we quit, we're cutting that process short and then success never comes. It may just be as simple as taking that next step. It's the truth.
0: Well, hey, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We hope it was encouraging to you. If it was, please subscribe and uh, share the podcast with family, friends, coworkers, anybody who you think may enjoy it or benefit from it.
1: And as always, we're thankful that you joined us uh, for the DLM podcast. Remember, we are always better when we grow and learn together. As always, grace and peace to you.
2: friend that's our show for today if you enjoyed the content or would like to hear future podcasts please subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released on behalf of mike atkinson rick shields and our amazing doorways leadership and influence network partners this is krista hope saying thanks for listening